We've heard from some key Pacers voices in the last couple days. What did Rick Carlisle, Tyrese Halliburton, and Benedict Matherin say at Media Day? Why does it matter? And I want to talk about the latest Pacers news for the last time of the offseason. It's all coming today on the Locked On Pacers podcast. You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Wednesday, everybody, and welcome into another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers, as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and SI, and today, more Media Day talk, more news talk. We learned a lot about this Pacers team on Monday at Media Day, talking all the big storylines yesterday. Alex Golden joined. We cut through all the big stuff defense, the expectations, the competition, the trip to Nashville, Buddy Heald talking his contract, all the big hits from yesterday with all the needed reactions and needed storylines from that. But there was a lot of micro stuff that also I think mattered. I talked about some of those yesterday, and I want to get to those today and specifically the ones from the guys that I think had the most intrigue around them entering the day, which of course would be Rick Carlisle and Tyrese Albert, and I'll throw in a third of Benedict Matherin because Benedict Matherin has quite an important season coming his way and then for our third and final segment today we'll do our final off-season news breakdown stuff that I thought was important or newsy from the off-season that I'll probably reference during the season so I need to bring it up here once so everybody knows what the heck I'm talking about and then all the news will be covered during the season via segment on the show because that is more natural during a basketball season let's start with Rick Carlisle, who talked for 20 minutes at Media Day. We brought out a lot of that stuff yesterday via various other topics because he truly covered parts of everything. But he said so many little things that were interesting or important to me. First up, I'll start with one of my own questions um, because I thought this was his most revealing answer at Media Day last year of a, of a non-already obvious topic, at least. You know, at Media Day 2022, I asked Rick, what would be a successful season for the Pacers? And I remember back then, like, the Vegas over-unders projected they'd win, like, 24 games, and a lot of people were projecting them to be one of the worst three teams in the East. And he said, year, or not year to year, week-to-week growth, month-to-month growth, that's what would be a successful season for the Pacers. Obvious, you can see it, level growth from a young team. And then they were good, right? So that was sort of thrown out the window, but not really because they were still a young team. And they saw that, right? They didn't reach the playoffs, but they got better every week. And now they want to build off of that. So I asked them the same question. What would be a successful season? And this year, I know that success is a little more on the brain for them because of the way the players talked, but also because the first thing Rick Carlisle said is, I don't want to put a number on it, right? He doesn't want success to be defined as like if he says 45 wins and they win 44 it's a failure but that also means there's a win total number that in theory would be success for them and that means wins are in theory part of his thinking I know that's a stretch way of thinking about it but to me when he said I wouldn't set a number that made me think okay wins are at least the priority here but setting it, putting a number on it and making it a thing is not worth it. And I agree with him, actually. It'd be stupid to be like, 43, if we win 42, it's a failure, and 43 is a success. Like, that's dumb. That's one win difference. But I do think it's interesting that, you know, a win total part of it was his answer. But instead, what he did say, and this is also true, and this kind of goes back to what Chad Buchanan said last week, he said that they want to build things the right way and not skip steps. I talk about this with team building a lot. You crawl, then you walk, then you run. If you go from crawling to running, yeah, you can be good right away, but it might not amount to much. See also the Brooklyn Nets of the very recent era. You can also go from crawling 
to walking and never run like the Sixers right now. We'll see what happens to them this year. Um, and the Pacers going through all those steps in the correct order, I think is smart. And I am of the opinion that the long-term approach is correct, even though they have not made the postseason in a long time. So I liked that answer from Rick Carlisle, and I found it revealing, and I wanted to talk about it here. Another thing Rick Carlisle said that I thought was noteworthy and important was about Benedict Matherin. And I'll, I will have a story on Ben and Tyrese coming out at some point in the next couple days. But he talked about Ben Matherin and his defense. Uh, and that's a big thing for Benedict Matherin this year, who was also asked about what being a two-way player means to him. We'll talk about Ben in the second segment here. But something Rick Carlisle said about Ben Matherin that really stood out to me was that his defensive growth is important not only for Matherin's career, but the Pacers franchise, right? I don't know that they're putting a t- like too many eggs into the Matherin basket or anything like that, but I think they are very much invested in his success and his future, and they would like him to be the two-way player that he hopes he can be, right? That's why they're coaching him the way they are. They're coaching him hard, and they're trying to find the right balance of helping Benedict Matherin get better via coaching and via the right situations, and also promoting him to give him more challenges, right? That's something Carlisle talked about with him is like, we can't just throw Ben Matherin the starting spot. He's got to earn it, but at the same time, him playing in that spot is beneficial, right? So they have to balance those things of like giving him something versus making him earn something, even though giving him the thing is like partially beneficial to the team, right? He didn't say that second part, but still Matherin's growth is a big thing for this team this year. Kalen Cooper and I really talked about that a lot with him uh, on his season preview, just the importance of his growth to the Pacers long-term and to their long-term outlook. And his defensive growth in particular, I think, stands out to Carlisle, something that's particularly important because having another wing stopper and having really then, in that case, all four of their, or at least four wings, not all four, um, Nemhard, Neesmith, Brown, and Matherin, those four wings, having four good quality defensive guard wing types would be huge for the lineups the Pacers can throw out and huge for the team's defensive growth. Carlisle also really stressed the importance of rebounding. Didn't talk about that with Alex at all, hardly. When we were talking about defense yesterday, I'll include this in uh, my story about the defense. That'll come out either tomorrow or Friday. We will see. I have so many stories up. If you want to read more about Tice's season coming up, it was really fun to dig in with him about the World Cup, about why Buddy Heald changed his number. Um, I already can't remember the other thing I wrote today. Oh, yeah, and about the first practice for Jarris Walker and Ben Shepard, how they were feeling, how they did. Those stories are all up on Pacers SI and more from Media Day and the front office uh, media event last week. Uh, Carlisle seems to think rebounding super important, though, and he said he dropped an F-bomb. He said, we've got to grab the effing ball off the rim, right? And there, that is certainly a point of frustration, I think, if you're a coach and you you know, preach the defense and get really good at transition offense and you just can't get these rebounds. The Pacers are going to have to be a better rebounding team. They didn't necessarily add the best rebounding personnel. Like nothing about Toppin or Bruce Brown strike me as awesome rebounders. So that's going to be some effort stuff from the Pacers. There's not like you can be a team that pushes hard to get every rebound and sends all five of your guys to the glass. And that's great. That also means you're going to be a crummy transition team just stylistically. So how the Pacers balance those things and get better at getting the stops and the rebound, as well as being an electric transition team, is going to be telling this year. But Rick Carlisle certainly seems to think, and as he should, he's correct, they were not a good rebounding team last year. Rebounding, very important to the Pacers' success this year. Um, Fan Jam, for those of you who don't know what Fan Jam is because you're not from India or you just have never heard someone talk about it, in the past it's been this little intra-squad scrimmage the Pacers do. They just mix and match up two teams. They do a fun, entertaining scrimmage in front of fans. It's free. Uh, which is really cool. So there's usually a lot of 
of people at it and they just do fun stuff there's some highlights there's some silliness like a kid put on buddy Hield's jersey and played last year there's a dance competition at the end where the rookies put on costumes this year i still think they'll do that that stuff at the end like the dancing and the costumes and stuff but rick carlisle wants it to be a much more competitive actual game so they're gonna have like real officials real g league officials will be there they're gonna go much harder the the two teams mike weiner will coach one lloyd pierce will coach the other the Pacers are almost treating it like an extra fifth preseason game, and that's naturally where a fifth game would have been for them, basically, had if you look at their preseason calendar. So expect a more serious fan gym experience. Um, speaking of competitive, uh, Carlisle was asked if he could remember a time in his career that he had a deep competitive roster like this for camp with this much at stake in terms of minutes and rotation. He could not. He called it a unique situation, and that can be good, right? In a fast-paced league, Having a lot of depth to absorb that, being okay with absorbing injuries is good, but there's going to be a lot of other dynamics at play of people management and balance and chemistry and, like with Ben, not handing guys stuff, making them earn it, but still doing the best thing for your team long term. Him acknowledging the uniqueness of it, of course they know that, but uh, I think is important, and we'll see how they actually handle it in the coming weeks. We've only had one practice, and then something I asked that I wanted to have be the final thing here. You know, they, they presumably have who they would play as their starters and bench unit as a tiebreaker already set in their heads just in case that, like, nothing stands out to them in camp. But I wanted to know, like, if there is a tiebreaker, what's your key differentiators going to be between these players if you're deciding who plays more and who doesn't or who is in what lineup? And obviously Fitz going to be part of that. But he said uh, defense and unselfishness will be the things that break ties. And I think that is exactly the right answer. Guys who can keep the ball moving and popping like the Pacers did last year. And of course, good defenders should get the nod. I expected that to be the answer, but now having it, that's key to know as we figure out what the Pacers lineups are going to be. Let's talk about Halberton and Matherin's media availabilities, what they said on Monday, what I think it means for the Pacers this year before we close out our final news segment of the summer. Before we do that, though, I need to really quickly talk to you guys about Ibotta. It's football season. So that means pizza, wings, and maybe some buffalo chicken dip, whatever you prefer at your tailgate. Go all out and get cash back on every purchase with Ibotta, who gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods, so you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're buying. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop. You get cash back. It's that easy. The average Ibotta user earns $100 a year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip, or you can use the cashback to buy that flight you've been eyeing, the game you've been dying to go to, or the fancy dinner you've been craving. Other apps give you points that don't amount to much. With Ibotta, you get real cash back. You can either cash out at your bank or into PayPal or to gift cards, and you can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers when you start with Ibotta, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Download the Ibotta app now and use the code LOCKED to start earning real cash back. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store. Or down the free Ibotta app and use the code LOCKED. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store with that code LOCKED. Thank you, as always, for making Lockdown Pacers your first listen today and every single day. For your second listen, twofold, both from the same city. One, Lockdown Phillies. Should have worn a Philly shirt today, but I haven't changed my shirt since practice. Um, Phillies, one and own the wild card, baby. That's my team, so I have to shout that out. But the real one for you NBA listeners, locked on Sixers, because apparently James Harden is going to report to camp. He hasn't yet. He wasn't at media day. He wasn't at day one. They're in Fort Collins, Colorado. But it sounds like, per Woj, he's coming for day two, and he's going to make things really uncomfortable and strange for the Sixers. Locked on 76ers, Keith Pompey, and... um, Mr. Givens will have everything for you 
over at Locked On Sixers. Let's keep going through Pacerland, talking about what we heard from Tyrese Halberton and Benedict Matherin on Monday. The key thing from Ty that fans will want to know, and I think will be important to monitor for the Pacers this season. He wants to be a leader on defense. That that is an important caveat. I think Tyrese Halberton's a good leader already for this team, especially for a guy at his age. That's pretty rare. The only guy, James Johnson, who's played with a bunch of good young guys, could remember who was that good at leading at that age was Derrick Rose when he was an MVP candidate. But Halliburton's got to lead on defense this year. I talk about this so much. I'm beating a dead horse with it. But something that always stands out to me about the Bucks when you watch the Bucks is Giannis is busting his butt on defense every single possession. And if you are a role player on the Bucks and you see Giannis busting your butt on defense and you don't, you're not going to play. Or you're going to get chewed out all that freaking time. You follow the lead of your team star, of your team leader, naturally. It's just how things go. It's just how culture is set. And I know I use the honest example all the time, but you can do inverse examples too, where teams' star players are you know, like Trey Young, for example, who are maybe not as lasered in on defense, and that kind of seeps into the rest of the team sometimes, right? So if Halliburton, even if he's not defending amazing, like, I'll liken this to Steph, for example. Steph Curry is not the best defender. I'd probably consider him below average. But he tries. Like, he works his butt off on D still. And the Warriors are a good defensive team. They give an effort on that end. And, of course, they have talented defenders. But his effort certainly seeps into other players. If Steph Curry's trying on defense, you better dang try on defense. And Tyrese Halberton needs to be a leader on that end of the floor. And regardless of his talent level. Now, of course, him getting better at defense also matters. He did some stuff better in FIBA play. He is some stuff. Screen navigation is the top of the list that he still needs to work on and improve on the end of the floor. I think he'd be the first to admit he needs to be better on the defensive end. But him being a leader on defense, noteworthy phrase, something that I think is worth watching out for this season. Because if he becomes a good defensive player, whew, whew, he's going to be pretty dang good. His big takeaway from FIBA is... Is, was fascinating to me. This kind of seeps into some stuff other players said, but he said he's tired of losing, right? USA did well, but they got fourth. Everybody thought they'd win. I thought they would win, and they got fourth. Um, that is not the USA way. It has been in the last two World Cups, but he's tired of losing, right? Hal Burton said, I think his last non-losing season was his first year at Iowa State. Second year, losing record, Kings losing record, Kings and Pacers losing record, then Pacers losing record. He's tired of it. He wants to win, and this team wants to win, and Carlisle talked about not putting a win total on it, but alluding to the fact that in that case, there is, in theory, wins being the goal. Pacers want to win this year. I get that they're thinking long-term, but they want to win, and I think it's possible to do both, but it's very hard. Halburn does, just wants to win, though. He said he doesn't really care about anything else anymore. He's got the accolades. He, can't, he said that. People keep bringing up, you know, oh, All-Stars in Indy, and like, yeah, that's awesome. You know, I think a lot of the Pacers players would love to be involved in All-Star Weekend because it's in their home city. But like for Halbert, it's not about that, right? He knows he's good. He's got the accolades to prove it. He just wants to win now. And he thinks the thing that will make the Pacers win and take them from where they were to the postseason is defense. That story will be coming. A lot of defense chatter at practice in their first practice. So much so that Rick Carlisle said, "Not I'm paraphrasing here a little bit, but like I'm kind of tired of talking about defense. I just want to show it. Like I want it to happen. And I agree. I want to see the Pacers defend, but also it's a big topic of conversation for a team that has stunk on D for the last couple of years. Halliburton wants to be better on defense. He wants the team to be better and make the team win. Also, we heard from Benedict Matherin for a much shorter amount of time. Unfortunately, his presser was going at the same time as the end of, I think, Miles Turner's. And I listened to a lot more of Miles, so I missed some of Ben's. I got about the last two minutes of it. 
uh, two and a half, three minutes. I watched it back, but I you lose a lot of nuance. Like being involved in a scrum is just a little different. You know, you can see what the player's looking at and what they're thinking about and what questions they react in a certain way to. doesn't matter. I'm talking too much about beat stuff people don't care about. I missed some of Ben's, so I lost some context here, but not all. I can listen to the Q&A later. Um, he talked, was asked about defense. Remember, Carlisle talked about his growth on D being critical to the franchise long term. And it is. Him being a stopper would be significant, especially because he's said a lot, I want to be the best two-way player in the league. He did address that being a good two-way player is being good on both sides of the ball. He thinks, and he actually said this at his exit interview. Remember this? If you remember when I did my exit interview breakdown show last year, this is one of the things that someone said, in this case Ben Matherin, that made my ears perk up and go, oh, I didn't expect that, and it's significant, not in a bad or good way. It's just like, that's interesting. He said... On Monday, when Matherin was asked how he can improve on defense, he said defensive improvement will come from consistency, right? He has most of the days where he has his energy. He's got all of his energy. He's able to give it all all the time and defend to his best of his abilities, but not all the time. That hasn't that doesn't come for him every single day in game. He wants that there. He wants to have the peak energy, be able to give the peak effort level to be the best defender possible every single game. And he went straight from college to the pre-draft process to the pros last year. This time he had a proper offseason. He actually knows what the NBA is like. He went through a year of the calendar and flying around and doing all that stuff. I think he will naturally get a little bit better at that stuff. But having a routine and being in shape, Benedict Matherin's always in shape, but those are the little things that are going to matter a lot for him as he works to grow as a defender. And I'll be curious what that looks like, if he can do that every single day. Because he does have some games, like he had that game in Miami where he barely played and fans were you know, asking a lot of questions, like, hey, ask Rick why he didn't play much. Well, he had a lot of blown defensive coverages. And they would just sub him out because they couldn't handle it. They barely won that game. Halliburton had to hit a miracle at the, I think that was the Halliburton miracle at the buzzer game. And Matherin barely played in that one because... Uh, maybe I'm getting the in Miami games confused. Either way, he didn't play much in a Miami game in Miami, and his defense was a big concern there. So more consistency would go a long way. Uh, he watched a lot of film this summer of defense, uh, and he acknowledged that that helps him and will help him. I'll be curious what his defensive role looks like, what kind of players he's guarding, but I think he is saying the right things. He has always said the right things for years, and he exudes them. Like I can see in practice what he's doing, uh, at least when we're allowed to watch, and it seems like he's doing the right things. The way he talks is sounds like he's doing the right things. The way others talk about him, he's doing the right things. He's a confident guy. He plays with bravado. Like I believe him when he talks about these things, just because of how he is. But I th- and I think he can be a better defender. But I'm I'm looking forward to actually seeing it. The other thing, and I'll have a story on this at some point in the next couple of days too. Uh, he did say it is important for him to improve his relationship on the court. Let me be clear: on the court, there's not a chemistry thing here. He wants to improve his on the court relationship with Tyrese Halliburton. I think that's going to be a significant storyline for this Pacers season is how well those two can pair together. The net rating was above zero last year, which is good. Uh, They are good players, and in that way, they can fit together. I think most two, like Turbonus, was a positive net rating by the end of its era. But, you know, you have to be as good as possible. You have to be complimentary to truly be great stars together. I'll be curious how close to that level they can get more on that to come. But that is the big hitters on media day. The big important stuff that they said, you can watch all of them on the Pacers YouTube channel or listen to them, uh, in many different places. They've been posted all over the place tomorrow. We'll talk more about practices, right? We had our first practice media on Monday, or excuse me, on Tuesday. So we got to hear from Jarris Walker and Ben Shepard about their first practice. We got to ask more questions about the defense because guys got to, you know, do it in a practice setting. A lot of more specifics, and that'll be tomorrow's podcast, all about the early practices. One more segment today. 
I want to talk about all the latest Pacers news wrap-up from the summer because summer news is way different than in-season news, and there's a lot of good stuff, some camps and injury on the Pacers. We actually learned about that today. Um, some camps and a fun thing from Larry Nance. We'll get to all that to close out today's show. Thank you, as always, for making Lockdown Pacers your first listen today and every single day. Go to Lockdown Raptors for your second listen. They had a dramatic media day talking about commitment and Pascal's long-term future and all that stuff. Locked on Raptors with Sean Woodley will have the latest on the Raptors and whatever the heck they are doing and saying right now. Let's talk about what the Pacers are doing and saying right now for the final news updates segment of the summer. Every week we've thrown one of these in, usually with the World Cup, but sometimes whenever I can get it in because there's a lot of new stuff that happens that's like a two-sentence thing to say, but is important to reference in the future. And in the summer, those are harder to squeak into these shows. So let's go. Number one, TJ McConnell, ankle injury. Surprise, surprise. Um, that came out of nowhere. Last week, Chad Buchanan at his presser on Tuesday said, team's healthy. You know, bumps and bruises are going to happen to all of you and players. But he said the team was healthy. Uh, today, at practice a week later, Rick Carlisle says, TJ McConnell's injured. The ankle injury happened in the week prior uh, to practicing. So presumably after that Tuesday that Chad Buchanan took the stand. Uh, so he did not participate in full in practice on Tuesday. McConnell didn't. Andrew Nemhard got a ton more ball handling reps. That's a good thing. Anyway, I would think he'd get a ton of ball handling reps even if McConnell was playing. We could see him. McConnell was in no boot. He was in no boot at me today. It seems like a minor thing. He was shooting. He was moving around. Like He seems fine if I was just going off my eyesight, but obviously I'm not a doctor. Either way, the first injury of the season goes to TJ McConnell via an ankle injury. We'll see where that goes, but Andrew Nemhard playing the one. Seems like a fine fallback plan for the Pacers. Uh, transactions, a lot of them happened. We knew about Jordan Bell on his Exhibit 10, and we knew about Craig Sword because the Mad Ants had their rights already. They traded for Swords this summer. They were both signed and waived. The guys we didn't know that snuck in. Pedro Bradshaw, if you don't know who he is, he played for the Mad Ants last year. He averaged nine points and six rebounds per game. He's super mobile. Dude runs like a gazelle. Pretty good wing defender, and notably, shot over 40% from three. I, I, a lot of games... I would watch him and go, wow, he's really interesting. In one game, I talked to one of the members of the coaching staff about him after the game. And they're like, yeah, we like this kid. He's good. So we'll see what Pedro Bradshaw can be. He was the sneak-in Exhibit 10 guy, uh, one of the first ones they signed. He's already been waived, but the, he gets a bonus for reporting to the Mad Ants now. And then the other one that came in later was Alfred Payton, the former top 10 pick um, who was eight or nine years of NBA service. He actually played for the Mad Ants last year down the stretch. He'll be back with the team this year, probably their starting point guard. We'll see. Uh, I think the Mad Ants are going to be learning as good of talent possible this year. Like, they get to use the Pacers facilities, not just for practices, but for games. Kendall Brown was talking about that being a good thing at Media Day on Monday. So between their two-way guys and a pretty talented Exhibit 10 group, Mad Ants should be pretty good. Again, we'll see if they get anybody else. And their final one we know about, at least, Darius McGee, should presumably happen on a day in camp where the Pacers actually have practice. It can't be an off day. We'll see if any other Exhibit 10 squeak through. But the list so far is Craig Sword, Alfred Payton, Jordan Bell, and Pedro Bradshaw. They have already been signed in way of Pacers announced their training camp roster of just the normal 18 guys. They already have enough competition it feels like, like squeaking in more guys doesn't necessarily add a lot of benefit. If I were in charge of a team, I would have 21 guys in every camp, just get eyes on them. But if they're not going to make the team, you know, it can just be a, more resources to manage in a pain. Um, Larry Nance had a fun tweet. This is a joy, not like sort of related to the Pacers. Not right now, but definitely a past Pacer. Um, Larry Nance Jr. on the Pelicans right now tweeted like a week and a half ago. 
Yeah, September 25th. He said, random thought, 2018 Victor Oladipo is one of the hardest players I've ever had to guard in my time in the league. Man would sprint full speed at you and pull for three like nothing, or could blow by anytime he wanted as well. Uh, yeah, Vic was a terror. <laughs> he was uh, on All-NBA for a reason. The shooting was a big factor in his growth, obviously. I think everybody knows how good Depot was back then. This tweet struck me, though, because, I mean, Vic's not even in OKC camp. It's crazy how much his career has changed since that time with the Pacers. And a couple other things said about this one, if people remember. you got to go deep into your brain for this one. Larry Nance shoved Oladipo on a rebound in a game in Gamebridge Fieldhouse in 2018 to get an offensive rebound put back to give the Cavs a buzzer-beating win over the Pacers. No foul was called. I don't know why I remember that. I always will. Um, two, all those things that, that Oladipo uh, can do or could do in the past. Halperton can do all of them except for get all the way to the rim from the perimeter all the time. He can get to the rim sometimes, but he does the Halley hook sometimes and stuff like that. If he can get to the rim and be a foul drawer, like I said a couple shows ago, Tyrus Halliburton could be really good. And Victor Oladipo, well acknowledged as he should be. Uh, Nance called him a nightmare. I wish, I wish so much that Vic never got hurt to this day. I know no one wants to hear about Victor Oladipo right now, but I really, really enjoyed that. Uh, last three things. One, Benedict Matherin, speaking of, him uh, went on setting the pace. Alex Gold was on here yesterday. It was their 500th episode. Congrats to them. Um, he was talking about the skills he worked on this summer. Benedict Matherin says, I think I've taken my game to a different level. I was labeled as a drive left and I could shoot it in the first 30 games, but I feel like the main thing for me was conditioning. So what we've got here is, yes, he does like to drive left. He's a better creator in that way. I'm curious if what he meant by that is he was labeled that way and now he thinks he'll be able to drive both ways. He also was correct that his three-point splits were wild first 20 games ben mather was a 41.5 three-point shooter he went 26.7 percent the rest of the way but that conditioning thing there it is again him talking about that consistency having that energy to defend every single game so my takeaways from that would be perhaps we'll see more varied drives from matherin and he hopes to be that shooter and defender this season good episode from them uh to get matherin for 30 minutes. Good stuff. I'm really, I'm really looking forward to watching Ben Mather in the season. And I wanted to talk about that. And that is my transition into some events being hosted or previously hosted by Pacers players. Uh, Matherin held his first camp in Indy last Saturday. Not a couple days ago, but the Saturday before that. Uh, that was his first camp. He had one in, in Quebec earlier in Canada earlier in the summer where he's from, or the, at least closer to the area he's from. I might have the city wrong, but I'm pretty sure I got it right. Uh, there were other NBA players at that one, but this was his first one in Indy, which is pretty cool. Uh, and Tyrese Halberton held his final camp of the summer around the same time. His was in Ames at Iowa State, where he played in college, uh, both of them holding multiple camps in the summer, connecting with communities. I love that guys do that. Halberton is great at those. Matherins I didn't get to go to, so I can't speak to it. I was out of town, but very cool to see him planting those roots in the Indy community. And the other bit of Tyrese Halbert news is he's hosting the 2K, one of the 2K24 tournament events uh, next year, next January. He'll be hosting the final one, actually. Uh, I have more details on that on Pacers SI. But, of course, Halbert, very into gaming. He does the Twitch streaming. If you haven't heard, there's a great clip. Halbert's on Twitch. He's playing, I think it's 2K, honestly. I was just looking at his face. And someone in his chat says, Buddy Heald got traded to the Magic. And they were kidding. Uh, but Halbert basically said, like, wouldn't, wouldn't I know that? I would know that ahead of time. And then he did a Buddy Heald impression, and it was hysterical. It was so spot on. Um, so into gaming, into the live streaming, really funny guy. And I think he'll be good at at hosting the kind of event um, for this 2K tournament. So that is all the Pacers news of the summer. Everything else noteworthy said or done or that happens in a game 
we're going to have it here as a full show topic or a whole segment, and it'll be newsy right when it happens and not a full dump all in a week like this. We're in season mode now. That was the end of off-season topics anyway, and I'm looking forward to it. Tomorrow's show, like I said, we'll talk about the first couple Pacers practices. A lot of talk about defense, a lot of talk about the rookies, and there'll be another practice between me talking right now and you listening to that show. So more topics fit between good players, all sorts of other things. I've got a 1,000 questions to ask guys in my notes and my phone, so I am well-prepared for anything, and you guys will get that information as soon as possible. And then Friday's show, I can't even believe I'm about to say this, previewing the preseason. Because they play a preseason game on Sunday in five days. It's really snuck up on us this Pacers and NBA season. Really looking forward to it. We get preseason basketball from NBA teams super soon because there's teams overseas. So it's time, baby. NBA basketball is here. And we'll have the coverage of the Pacers here on the Lockdown Pacers podcast. Your team every day. We've got Lockdown shows for every team in the NBA. So whatever tickles your fancy, whatever your favorite team is, there's something for you here. Thank you guys a ton for listening today. Have a good one. We will see you soon.